Act Four of the Second Part of Tamburlaine the Great by Christopher Marlowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One Alarms Within Amyrus and Celebinus issue from the tent where Caliphus sits asleep. Now in their glories shine the golden crowns of these proud Turks, much like so many suns that half dismay the majesty of heaven. Now, brother, follow we our father's sword, that flies with fury swifter than our thoughts, and cuts down armies with his conquering wings. Call forth our lazy brother from the tent, for if my father miss him in the field, wrath kindled in the furnace of his breast will send a deadly lightning to his heart. Brother, ho! What, given so much sleep, you cannot leave it, when our enemies' drums and rattling cannons thunder in our ears our proper ruin and our father's foil? Away, ye fools! My father needs not me, nor you, in faith, but that you will be thought more childish valorous than manly wise. If half our camp should sit and sleep with me, my father were enough to scare the foe. You do dishonor to his majesty to think our helps will do him any good. What, darest thou then be absent from the fight, knowing my father hates thy cowardice, and oft hath warned thee to be still in field, when he himself, amidst the thickest troops, beats down our foes to flesh our taintless swords? I know, sir, what it is to kill a man. It works remorse of conscience in me. I take no pleasure to be murderous, nor care for blood when wine will quench my thirst. O oh, cowardly boy! For shame, come forth, thou dost dishonor manhood and thy house. Go, go, tall stripling, fight you for us both, and take my other toward brother here, for person like to prove a second Mars. Twill please my mind as well to hear both you have won a heap of honor in the field, and left your slender carcasses behind, as if I lay with you for company. You will not go, then? You say true. Were all the lofty mounts of Zonamundi that fill the midst of farthest Tartary turned into pearl and proffered for my stay, I would not bide the fury of my father, when made a victor in these haughty arms. He comes and finds his sons have had no shares in all the honors he proposed for us. Take you the honor. I will take my ease. My wisdom shall excuse my cowardice. I go into the field before I need. Alarms Within Amyrus and Celebinus run out. The bullets fly at random where they list. And should I go and kill a thousand men, I were as soon rewarded with a shot, and sooner far than he that never fights. And should I go and do no harm nor good, I might have harm, which all the good I have, joined with my father's crown, would never cure. Altacards. Perdicas! Enter Perdicus. Here, my lord. Come, thou and I will go to cards to drive away the time. Content, my lord, but what shall we play for? Who shall kiss the fairest of the Turks' concubines first, when my father hath conquered them? A greedy faith. They play. They say I am a coward, Perdiccas, and I fear as little their terret and terras, their swords or their cannons, as I do a naked lady in a net of gold, and for fear I should be afraid, would put it off and come to bed with me. Such a fear, my lord, would never make ye retire. 
I would my father would let me be put in the front of such a battle once to try my valor. Alarms within. What a coil they keep! I believe there will be some hurt done anon amongst them. Enter Tamburlaine, Theridamus, Ticellis, Usum Cassane, Amyrus, and Celebinus, leading in Orcanes, and the kings of Jerusalem, Trevisan, and Soria, and soldiers. See now, ye slaves, my children stoop your pride, and lead your bodies sheep-like to the sword. Bring them, my boys, and tell me if the wars be not a life that may illustrate gods, and tickle not your spirits with desire still to be trained in arms and chivalry. Shall we let go these kings again, my lord, to gather greater numbers against our power? that they may say it is not chance doth this, but matchless strength and magnanimity. No, no, Amyrus, tempt not fortune so. Cherish thy valour still with fresh supplies, and glut it not with stale and daunted foes. But where's this coward villain, not my son, but traitor to my name and majesty? He goes in and brings Caliphus out. Image of sloth, and picture of a slave, the obloquy and scorn of my renown. How may my heart, thus fired with mine eyes, wounded with shame and killed with discontent, shroud any thought may hold my striving hands from martial justice on thy wretched soul? Yet pardon him, I pray, your majesty. Let, Let all of us entreat your highness's pardon. Stand up, ye base, unworthy soldiers. Know ye not yet the argument of arms? Good my lord, let him be forgiven for once, and we will force him to the field hereafter. Stand up, my boys, and I will teach ye arms, and what the jealousy of wars must do. Oh, Samarkander, where I breathed first, and joyed the fire of this martial flesh, blush, Blush, fair city, at thine honour's foil, and shame of nature, which Jaertus' stream, embracing thee with deepest of his love, can never wash from thy disdained brows. Here, Jove, receive his fainting soul again, a form not meet to give that subject essence, whose matter is the flesh of Tamburlaine, wherein an incorporeal spirit moves, made of the mould whereof thyself consists, which makes me valiant, proud, ambitious, ready to levy power against thy throne, that I might move the turning spheres of heaven, for earth and all this airy region cannot contain the state of Tamburlaine. Stabs Caliphus. By Mahomet, thy mighty friend, I swear, in sending to my issue such a soul, created of a massy dregs of earth, the scum and tartar of the elements, wherein was neither courage, strength, or wit, but folly, sloth, and damned idleness, thou hast procured a greater enemy than he that darted mountains at thy head, shaking the burden mighty Atlas bears, whereat thou, trembling, hidst thee in the air, clothed with a pitchy cloud for being seen. And now, ye cankered curs of Asia, that will not see the strength of Tamburlaine, although it shine as brightly as the sun, now you shall 
feel the strength of tamburlaine and by the state of his supremacy approve the difference twixt himself and you thou showest the difference twixt ourselves and thee in this thy barbarous damned tyranny thy victories are grown so violent that shortly heaven filled with the meteors of blood and fire thy tyrannies have made will pour down blood and fire on thy head whose scalding drops will pierce thy seething brains and with our bloods revenge our bloods on thee villains these terrors and these tyrannies if tyrannies wars justice ye repute i execute enjoined me from above to scourge the pride of such as heaven abhors nor am i made arch-monarch of the world crowned and invested by the hand of jove for deeds of bounty or nobility but since i exercise a greater name the scourge of god and terror of the world i must apply myself to fit those terms in war in blood in death in cruelty and plague such peasants as resist in me the power of heaven's eternal majesty theridamus ticelles and cassane ransack the tents and the pavilions of these proud turks and take their concubines making them bury this effeminate brat for not a common soldier shall defile his manly fingers with so faint a boy. Then bring those Turkish harlots to my tent, and I'll dispose them as it likes me best. Meanwhile, take him in. We will, my lord. Exeunt with the body of Caliphus. O damn monster, nay, a fiend of hell, whose cruelties are not so harsh as thine, nor yet imposed with such a bitter hate. Revenge it, Radamanth and Aeacus, and let your hates extended in his pains excel the hate wherewith he pains our souls. May never day give virtue to his eyes, whose sight, composed of fury and of fire, doth send such stern affections to his heart. May never spirit, vain or artier, feed the cursed substance of that cruel heart but wanting moisture and remorseful blood dry up with anger and consume with heat well bark ye dogs i'll bridle all your tongues and bind them close with bits of burnished steel down to the channels of your hateful throats and with the pains my rigour shall inflict i'll make ye roar that earth may echo forth the far resounding torments ye sustain as when an herd of lusty cimbrian bulls run mourning round about the females miss and stung with fury of their following fill all the air with troublous bellowing i will with engines never exercised conquer sack and utterly consume your cities and your golden palaces and with the flames that beat against the clouds incense the heavens and make the stars to melt as if they were the tears of mahomet for hot consumption of his country's pride and till by vision or by speech i hear immortal jove say cease my tamburlaine i will persist a terror to the world making the meteors that like armed men are seen to march upon the towers of heaven run tilting round about the firmament and break their burning lances in the air for honour of my wondrous victories come bring them into our pavilion Excellent. 
End of Scene 1 Act 4 Scene 2 Enter Olympia Distressed Olympia, whose weeping eyes since thy arrival here behold no sun, but closed within the compass of a tent, have stained thy cheeks and made thee look like death. Devise some means to rid thee of thy life, rather than yield to his detested suit, whose drift is only to dishonour thee. And since this earth, dewed with thy brinish tears, affords no herbs whose taste may poison thee, nor this air, beat often with thy sighs, contagious smells and vapours to infect thee, nor thy close cave a sword to murder thee. Let this invention be the instrument. Enter Theridamus. Well met, Olympia. I sought thee in my tent, but when I saw the place obscure and dark, which thy beauty thou wast wont to light, enraged, I ran about the fields for thee, supposing amorous Jove had sent his son, the winged Hermes, to convey thee hence. But now I find thee, and that fear is past. Tell me, Olympia, wilt thou grant my suit? My lord and husband's death with my sweet sons, with whom I buried all affections save grief and sorrow, which torment my heart, forbids my mind to entertain a thought that tends to love, but meditate on death a fitter subject for a pensive soul. Olympia, pity him in whom thy looks have greater operation and more force than Cynthia's in the watery wilderness. For with thy view my joys are at the full, and ebb again as thou departest from me. Ah, pity me, my lord, and draw your sword, making a passage for my troubled soul, which beats against this prison to get out and meet my husband and my loving son. Nothing but still thy husband and thy son? Leave this, my love, and listen more to me. Thou shalt be a stately queen of fair Argia, and clothed in costly cloth of massy gold, upon the marble turrets of my court sit like to Venus in her chair of state, commanding all thy princely eye desires. And I will cast off arms to sit with thee, spending my life in sweet discourse of love. No such discourse is pleasant in mine ears, but that where every period ends with death, and every line begins with death again. I cannot love to be an empress. Nay, lady, then, if nothing will prevail, I'll use some other means to make you yield. Such is the sudden fury of my love, I must and will be pleased, and you shall yield. Come to the tent again. Stay now, my lord, and will you save my honour, I'll give your grace a present of such price as all the world cannot afford the like. What is it? An ointment which a cunning alchemist distilled from the purest balsamum, and simplest extracts of all minerals, in which the essential form of marble stone, tempered by science metaphysical, and spells of magic from the mouths of spirits, with which if you but noint your tender skin, nor pistol, sword, nor lance can pierce your flesh. Why, madam, think you to mock me thus palpably? To prove it, I will noint my naked throat, which when you stab, look on your weapon's point, and you shall see it rebated with the blow. Why gave you not your husband some of it, if you loved him and it so precious? My purpose was, my lord, to spend it so but was prevented by his sudden end, and for a present easy proof thereof, that I dissemble not. Try it on me. I will, Olympia, and will keep it for the richest present of this eastern world. 
she anoints her throat now stab my lord and mark your weapon's point that will be blunted if the blow be great here then olympia stabs her what have i slain her villain stab thyself cut off this arm that it murdered my love in whom the learned rabbis of this age might find as many wondrous miracles as in the theoria of the world now hell is fairer than elysium a greater lamp than the bright eye of heaven from whence the stars do borrow all their light wanders about the black circumference and now the damned souls are free from pain for every fury gazeth on her looks infernal dis is courting my love inventing masks and stately shows for her opening the doors of his rich treasury to entertain this queen of chastity whose body shall be tombed with all the pomp the treasure of my kingdom may afford exit with the body end of scene two act four scene three enter tamburlaine drawn in his chariot by the kings of trebizon and soria with bits in their mouths reins in his left hand and in his right hand a whip with which he scourgeth them amyrus celebinus tichelles theridamus usum Kassane, or Canes, king of natolia and the king of jerusalem led by five or six common soldiers and other soldiers hola ye pampered jades of asia what can ye draw but twenty miles a day and have so proud a chariot at your heels and such a coachman as great tamburlaine but from asphaltus where i conquered you to byron here where thus i honour you the horse that guide the golden eye of heaven and blow the morning from their nostrils making their fiery gate above the clouds are not so honoured in their governor as you ye slaves in mighty tamburlaine the headstrong jades of thrace alcides tamed that king aegeus fed with human flesh and made so wanton that they knew their strengths were not subdued with valour more divine than you by this unconquered arm of mine to make you fierce and fit my appetite you shall be fed with flesh as raw as blood and drink in pails the strongest muscadel if you can live with it then live and draw my chariot swifter than the racking clouds if not then die like beasts and fit for naught but purchase for the black and fatal ravens thus am i right the scourge of highest jove and see the figure of my dignity by which i hold my name and majesty let me have coach my lord that i may ride and thus be drawn by these two idle kings thy youth forbids such ease my kingly boy they shall to-morrow draw my chariot while these their fellow-kings may be refreshed o thou that swayest the region under earth not a king as absolute as jove come as thou didst in fruitful sicily surveying all the glories of the land and as thou tookst the fair proserpina joying the fruit of Ceres' garden-plot for love for honour and to make her queen so for just hate for shame and to subdue this proud contemner of thy dreadful power come once in fury and survey his pride hailing him headlong to the lowest hell your majesty must get some bits for these to bridle their contemptuous cursing tongues 
that like unruly never-broken jades break through the hedges of their hateful mouths and pass their fixed bounds exceedingly nay we will break the hedges of their mouths and pull their kicking colts out of their pastures your majesty already hath devised a mean as fit as may be to restrain these coltish coach-horse tongues from blasphemy how like you that sir king why speak you not ah cruel brat sprung from a tyrant's loins how like his cursed father he begins to practise taunts and bitter tyrannies ay turk i tell thee this same boy is he that must advanced in higher pomp than this rifle the kingdoms i shall leave unsacked if jove esteeming me too good for earth raise me to match the fair aldebaran above the threefold asterism of heaven before i conquer all the triple world now fetch me out the turkish concubines i will prefer them for the funeral they have bestowed on my abortive son the concubines are brought in where are my common soldiers now that fought so lion-like upon asphaltus plains here my lord hold ye tall soldiers take ye queens apiece i mean such queens as were kings concubines take them divide them and their jewels too and let them equally serve all your turns we thank your majesty brawl not i warn you for your lechery for every man that so offends shall die injurious tyrant wilt thou so defame the hateful fortunes of thy victory to exercise upon such guiltless dames the violence of thy common soldier's lust live continent then ye slaves and meet not me with troops of harlots at your slothful heels o pity my lord, my lord and save our, our honours are ye not gone ye villains with your spoils the soldiers run away with the concubines o merciless infernal cruelty save your honours twere but time indeed lost long before ye knew what honour meant it seems they meant to conquer us, my lord, and make us jesting pageants for their trolls. And now themselves shall make our pageant, and common soldiers jest with all their trolls. Let them take pleasure soundly in their spoils, till we prepare our march to Babylon, whither we next make expedition. Let us not be idle then, my lord, but presently be pressed to conquer it. We will, Ticelli's forward then ye jades now crouch ye kings of greatest asia and tremble when ye hear this scourge will come that whips down cities and controlleth crowns adding their wealth and treasure to my store the euxine sea north to natolia the terrene west the caspian north northeast and on the south sinus arabicus shall all be loaden with the martial spoils we will convey with us to persia then shall my native city samarcanda and crystal waves of fresh jaertus stream the pride and beauty of her princely seat be famous through the furthest continents for there my palace royal shall be placed whose shining turrets shall dismay the heavens and cast the fame of ilion's tower to hell 
through the streets with troops of conquered kings i'll ride in golden armour like the sun and in my helm a triple plume shall spring spangled with diamonds dancing in the air to note me emperor of the threefold world like to an almond tree he mounted high upon the lofty and celestial mount of evergreen selenus quaintly decked with blooms more white than erichina's brows whose tender blossoms tremble every one at every little breath that through heaven is blown then in my coach like saturn's royal son mounted his shining chariot gilt with fire and drawn with princely eagles through the path paved with bright crystalline and chased with stars when all the gods stand gazing at his pomp so will i ride through samarcanda streets until my soul dissevered from this flesh shall mount the milk-white way and meet him there to babylon my lords to babylon Excellent. End of scene three. End of act four of the second part of Tamburlaine the Great by Christopher Marlowe.